today on Doomed. Isn't it a great thing that in like 2018, like a couple years ago, that phrase would be like, so in 2018, there's going to be a lot of Nazis who want to ruin you. I spoke with Craig T. Nelson about your time <laughs> as the, uh, the leader of the Antifa Super Soldiers. Oh, for sure. I've actually not talked about that on any pods yet. So ah. it's interesting. It'll be an exclusive. That is really weird because, I mean, that to me is like the biggest thing that like yeah, got written up about my, you my moment in the sun not to take away from anything else you've done but i'm just saying no <laughs> all my other great accomplishments <laughs> of fucking making my cuck be mad or something that and much much more on this very special second episode of doomed with matt binder that's me joining me now is well you probably have seen him on twitter but you might have seen him write for Cafe, Vice, or Talking Points Memo. Uh, but you also probably know him better as the leader of the Antifa Super Soldiers, uh, Krang T. Nelson. Krang, thanks for coming on Doomed. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for coming on. So um, Absolutely, and I appreciate the, uh, the, uh, the leader uh, kind of qualification there. I do. That's how I introduce myself in most venues. So. That, that would be the way I introduce myself if I was the leader of a super army of anti-fascist warriors. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I think when that shit started, uh, I, I didn't even realize what was in my head. But it was like that B-plot from the latter seasons of The X-Files – where there was like, remember there was the fucking like super soldiers and Robert Patrick who had come in to replace David Duchovny was like trying to fight the the super soldiers that the government was building with alien technology or something. Okay, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's a cool, you know, that's a good word. I'm just going to throw that in with some Antifa super soldiers. And the funniest thing was like the number of people who like haughtily online were like, oh, oh super soldiers? As if I have been training in like fucking shit. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's start there then, but let's just go yeah. back a little bit. So, yeah, uh, for, sure. for people who aren't familiar with you, who are listening to this podcast, which would be really weird because you have way more Twitter followers than I do. So, if you're not familiar with Krang, he is this hilarious Twitter personality who writes some really good stuff for the outlets I mentioned earlier, and one day. He's tweeting as he usually does, and boom, this happens. Why don't you take it from there, Krang? Yeah, um, so it was, generally speaking, the tweet that I made was kind of supposed to be a parody of, like, there was nothing specific about November 4th, really, at that point. There was that, uh, that uh, I forget the guy's name, the, the cult leader, um, who uh, has Radcom, uh, like, as a kind of a front group for his weird-ass cult, they were kind of being opportunistic about kind of some of the essentially taking you know advantage of I think uh, a kind of a cultural push that was going on about Antifa being scary, but there wasn't there hadn't really been that much news coalescing around the November fourth date as much as there were just like you know those weird MAGA you know Fox News grandparents and types online like gun enthusiasts who were just like. They're so afraid of, of Antifa, and it's kind of hilarious, because, like, in reality, Antifa, I mean, like, they're not, like, breaking into people's homes. They show up at Nazi rallies and nowhere else, and they all appear to be, you know, like, people in their teens and 20s who are, like, you know, kicking one guy. And there are these people who, you know, are online being like, I've got my house outfitted with, you know, a full range of tactical defense. And you're like, uh, okay. But... 
I saw a few people kind of just in that community getting a little bit weird about it. So I picked November 4th as like, because November, remember, the no, or 4th Wait, of November. You, you picked November 4th? I don't recall. I, just, I said it as like a, a day. I guess oh, there was okay. some stuff, but like. That, that was just the day that I decided to say that it was going to happen because it seemed like I did not know. I thought the, I thought like the day of act. So basically, they the, they, that they, was the Revcom guys. Yeah, they but I didn't this, actually like, know about that. Okay, got this it. This was like a happy coincidence that 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 happened. So they just happened uh, to pick this whole thing to be the day of action where Antifa is going to take over cities all over the United States or some shit. Yeah, well, so they had, like, or, like, we need to, like, dethrone Trump or something, but they took out that New York Times ad, that full-page New York Times ad, but, like, four days, like, on November 1st or something. So this at all, I'd been suspended from Twitter at this point. <laughs> um, so it, I don't think... There was a New York Times ad? They had a full-page New York Times ad. That dude is a grifter. I gotta look up his name. This is gonna drive me insane. Uh, we, we, can, um, we can actually look it up if we need to, because this is this is getting. We need to know yeah. this guy's name. Um, yeah, no, he's like a pretty famous guy. Jack Smith uh, wrote a good amount, like kind of covering. Shout out to Jack Smith, who's amazing. Rev look Com. this guy up. Let's see. Revcom number four. Oh wait, it's uh, oh. Bob Avakian. Bob Avakian. That yes. was gonna drive me insane. Yeah. So yes. Bob Avakian okay. was, was very cynically taking advantage of kind of, I think the weird swell that people thought things were going to happen on November 4th, but he didn't take out that ad until like three or four days before, which is why maybe 40 people showed up in one city to like hold up some signs. And like Revcom is a complete farce, like, you know, like you know, kind of a uh, shell organization. That's just kind of like shadily covering up the fact that it's, you know, Baba Bagan called. But nonetheless, uh, so I decided just, you know, what I thought was, you know, rather transparently sarcastic. I, and I'm going to try and remember this. This should be seared in the front of my brain at this point. But, you know. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things on your mind when you're, when you're running, that, when you're the yeah, leader of the Antifa super soldiers. On man on the run, yeah. Um, but uh, So essentially I tweeted something along the lines of, can't wait for November 4th when millions of Antifa super soldiers will rise up and behead all white parents and small business owners on the town square. Um, Now, that would personally affect me to a great deal, given the fact that my parents, uh, shout out to my parents, are both white. Um, And so I thought it would come across like, you know, pretty transparently sarcastic. But, you know, it was like latched on to it went, you know, pretty viral within our circles. And then, you know, bled over to right-wing Twitter. And I think what it was was kind of an unfortunate, like, slurry of people like whatever that is, Lucian Wintrich over at the Gateway Pundit, who, like, absolutely knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, and he's just taking this as, like, you know, a way to take, you know, take advantage of useful idiots on the right. And then you have... It is amazing how much, how many of these, like, bullshit online conspiracies gain legitimacy once gateway pundit runs with it exactly it's insane and i mean i think they had their press pass finally revoked from the capitol but they were given press like white house press credentials these insane people yeah so um it got into right-wing twitter and started doing my favorite thing in the world where all these old people were tagging like the fbi in like at replies to it conservatives (laughs) are the worst snitches but they, they just, love doing they that. Do it's it like the, the social media manager at the FBI is like, fellas, fellas, you got to see this. <laughs> it's Magamon Florida 572 just found a real hot lead. Like, no, come on. 
Um, but did, you know, they all reported the, did, it on mass. Did the FBI follow up with you? They did not. <laughs> Although I do remember that, uh, Nick Mullen of Cumbtown fame, uh, was, was notably, uh, visited by the FBI for, I think, online jokes, uh, that I think his uncle reported. So it's not out of the realm of question, I guess, or the realm of possibility, but nonetheless, they did not do their job and follow up, I guess, cause they were too busy. I uh, just loving that Hillary Clinton, you know. I never knew uh, that. I never knew that uh, Cumbtown fell under FBI jurisdiction. I think it was before Cumbtown. I think it was just when he. <laughs> I think it was like his uncle was mad at him for making a terrorism joke or something like uh. that, and called him in for being an ISIS sympathizer. Apparently, that's something you can do. You can just call the FBI field office and say, "My nephew's an ISIS, Nick Mullen." <laughs> Nicholas Mullen is a, is, a, is a popular ISIS supporter, and uh, they'll follow up in person um, several times. Uh, so that's a good use of time and resources and, and puts me at ease about that. Um, but, you know, we must remember that the FBI are great patriots, all of them. Got to keep um, them busy. I mean, they got to yeah, be doing man. something, man. Uh, the cops, the cops are bad, but the FBI, the FBI is very good. Um, but uh, nonetheless... Uh, it got reported into just absolute oblivion. And uh, I woke up maybe – so I made that tweet on a Saturday and I woke up on Monday morning and my account was suspended like permanently, <laughs> um, which was kind of a bummer. At that point, I had about 115,000 followers and like I'd only been tweeting for about a year, I guess, maybe a little less than a year at that point under Krang. But uh, it still felt like a little bit of a blow. Well, I mean Krang had uh, already blown up. Then so I mean you yeah had, that's a that was a big account to suspend especially yeah, like, when uh, when Twitter doesn't seem to be in any rush to suspend any terrible actual serious accounts out there yeah and I wrote about this for Vice and it's it's a problem with like kind of their like their reporting mechanism which is that especially if you're not a checkmark person which I never thought to do and apparently now you can't do anymore like can't request it uh, you know the checkmark things like you get put into a different system but if you're just a random user and 5,000 people report my tweet. Fuck, you know? Yeah. And luckily, I have some some friends over at Twitter, it seems, and uh, they were uh, more than happy to reinstate my account. I actually created a backup account in, like, the six hours before they got back to me, and uh, I got, like, 30,000 followers in a day. That was fucking nuts. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that all happened, and then there were some, you know, very sad, like, Milesy and Cheong, who had been part of, like, a secret. Milesy and Cheong, I can say this now because that group kind of got disbanded. He got honeypotted into joining a group uh, DM. Oh, are you talking called, about like, um, Ian Miles? Ian Miles, Cheong, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, that's the so guy, he and Mom That's bought, the guy who was, like, a, he was just, like, a game writer, a gamer, like, a game reporter. For Louise Mensch. For Louise Mensch. Yeah, but even before that, even before that, I remember that guy. Uh, he he goes by like still gray on Twitter. That guy during like like the Gamergate days would tweet at me as an anti-conservative type guy. Like he was. Oh yeah, no, he he's he he's did the full turnaround. Yeah, he did the full yeah. jump. It's amazing. He's like Baked to- Alaska and any of these other people who like I consider it a sign of a weak moral constitution, which is that you get admonished for something small like baked alaska originally not to go off on too much of a tangent but baked alaska originally worked for buzzfeed and was posting about black lives matter and all this other stuff and he got in trouble for he like wouldn't let it go that he wanted to call justin bieber his spirit animal 
And people were like, well, that's offensive to Native Americans. And he just like got really mad about it. And he just couldn't deal with being admonished about it. It ended up leading to him being fired. And then, you know, smash cut to two years later, he's doing gas chamber memes and, you know, doing like, you know, racist, like we was Kang me or Kang's memes and shit. Like 18 months before he was posting Black Lives Matter memes and, you know, respecting pronouns. And the thing about that is it's just people <laughs> who have a deeply like weak moral constitution. And so if they're admonished or something, rather than try and improve, they kind of retreat back to whatever group will tell them there's nothing wrong with what they did. And the bottom of that funnel is obviously the alt-right. I mean, uh, for a lot of those guys, it's always it, – it's never even – they never even believed in any of that stuff to begin with. Like, what's no, his, they're just like, looking like, for approval from yeah, a group. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and like you know, there's a group a group that's as like kind of diaspora as the alt right. Like, if you saw the like first Boston rally, there were like fifty five year old weird men in like you know wearing you know flags as pantsuits next to you know guys who were dressed up as like had put on full makeup and like you know hair and stuff to be pepe the frog and like people holding up signs that say like normies get out re next to like ben shapiro like these are just people who cannot handle being held to any sort of moral accountability system uh beyond kind of like their weird tribalism one and so they like retreat back to people who you know whatever so miles and Cheon got honey potted to being into a group dm that i was uh, <laughs> privy to um, called like MAGA 2018 or something or 2017 or something so the, uh, the group is actually created by some people uh, on the left and tricked uh, a, a great number of these alt-right guys into joining it and talking and actually using it as their primary mode of communication <laughs> uh, so like a lot of like the stuff that like they were trying to do we knew about beforehand um, it's since defunct because I guess someone found I think after all this happened, Tom Bloke was posting about it, and I guess they found out or something. But I don't know. It was. It doesn't matter. It worked for like six months. Um, but they were coordinating her, like you know, reportings on me. And I guess now they know that Twitter won't stand for that shit, and they stopped trying. But uh, so I was off for a while. Came back. Uh, it took a little while for my followers to come back, but then things kept going from it. That was what was crazy. So even though I was back and I was clearly making jokes about how this was all, you know, fake and jokey, you know, the gateway pundit ran with it, which led to people like Bill Mitchell running with it, which eventually got up to eventually Fox news, uh, talking about it on Fox and friends, which was just absolutely insane. I could, I was like a gog. I was a gog and it was on like the Chiron. Like it wasn't just something they mentioned. It was like on the Chiron as like the topic they were discussing. Uh, you know, and, and it took about a month for it to fully fizzle out. You know, there were people who were, you know, very mad for a while. Um, but so what ended up happening was Tom Bloke posted it and a bunch of other people posted it and immediately got suspended, too. So it was like this kind of like magic suicide button to post that status at that time. It was like kind of uh, suicide by cop or something. Uh, you're just like, I'm going to go and pull out a gun in a crowded place. Because you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they just implemented the, to ban people who posted that right away or if there was some, uh, some sort of mass report of anyone who tweeted it. I think that it was a lot of people who were really worried. Like, you know, the funniest thing ever was uh, after I got left back on, uh, there were people who were, like, quote-tweeting me, like, being, you know, taunting about that. 
and just being like Twitter support. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's it, those people. It's always it's always interesting to me when I uh, especially uh, it's so prevalent now that the MAGA people uh, and and sometimes even some of these alt right guys who don't realize that they're they're the other alt right guys are are are, are shit posting. Uh, how easily led by this type of stuff they are. Like they believe even after it becomes obvious it's not true. It was a joke. Uh, all the like. It doesn't matter to them because they just no. Think- it's the it's the art poll or it's the uh, the four chan poll like forum posters like you know they posted God my favorite one was they had a a picture that was like Antifa it was like it was like anti Semitic it was like Antifa rise up and expel the the Yudin or something and you're like oh this looks so real you found a flyer for a Nazi Antifa mo- movement. <laughs> Good, but, good job, guys. But I mean, there's there's people who absolutely believe that, and nothing you say will convince them otherwise. Well, and then you know, if if confronted with like the boldface logic of you know you were wrong, the kind of go to response is no, I was just trolling you. And you know, I guess if that makes you it helps you sleep at night, buddy. But I, I think we both know that's not true. I think you were just you know gullible into shit, or you know, you confirmation from other. And, you know, I think they have to just, you know, be on, like they have to know and live with. And I know and I can I can just be happy knowing it, even if they won't admit it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because also like what sort of fucking, you know, it, it's kind of like, I mean, I guess if you talk about like the black pill guys and like the essential nihilism of it or something is like, OK, you're fucking nihilist. Good job. Like you're also 17. So good job with like good luck with like the next, you know, I guess four or five decades of your life, depending. Uh, you'll see how that, that sticks together. But, you know, I, I it's been an interesting thing to watch develop, kind of, you know, both from do you, you know, an immersive do you still standpoint. Get, do you still get uh, shit from people who think you were actually the leader of the Antifa uprising? No, there's some funny things. There's some people who think I work on Wall Street or like because of like a joke tweet I made, which is like... <laughs> so you don't work on Wall Street? I I don't know I I couldn't begin to tell you how much I would hate doing all that math. So we're now narrowing down who the real Krang T Nelson. The real Krang is he's not a Wall not Street a Wall or a Street Madison guy. Avenue power broker. That is not <laughs> that is not who I am. But it's funny, like I don't I don't bother to correct them. It's interesting, like I don't reveal too much of my like kind of background. I guess a little bit has come out through my writing advice, like about like going down south with my family and stuff like that. But, like, the amount of mythology that has been created about me on the right, because they don't know anything about me, is just really funny to watch. Because, like, they just have to come up with something, and, and there's, you know, completely disparate things. There was my favorite one was uh, that I work for, quote-unquote, international capital in uh, triple parentheses, uh, <laughs> which is, like... The globalists. Uh, God, I, the globalists. I mean, I, I, fuck, dude, I wish... It'll be a nice life working for international <laughs> capital. Get that sweet stuff. Don't worry about, you know, fucking paying for, you know, subway rides and crap. That would be the the globalist worries not for these things. They are they're ferried about in their secret underground subways that are fancy. Although I don't know if you knew this, there is a secret underground subway in DC for politicians that is wonderful. Is there? Oh wait, well, is that so the one that gets them gets them from like each uh 
Each of those yeah, congressional the, buildings, yeah. All the congressional buildings, and then to like certain other buildings. I you do know about that. So I grew up in D.C., uh, not very fancily, but you just you're, you're in D.C., you know, like whatever. So I knew one guy whose parents worked for the thing, and I heard about this underground subway. And all I wanted to do was was go there and go to the top of the Capitol, and we did it. And the underground subway, it's like some old-timey trolley car, and it's like fucking, it's, you know what it is? It's the subway version of those elevators that has the guy that runs the elevator for you and a little, like, flat-top cap. Yeah, there's not enough of those nowadays. No. I need someone piloting these, my elevator. It's only for these government moochers that we, that we employ. <laughs> uh, all these federal employees that are just mooching off the government. Our senators and congressmen. Um, I did think it was funny that uh, afterwards, like, it's, you know, people want to attribute whatever they can to, like, you know, get at you. And so I've never been to the vice offices. I write for one guy and I do it remotely. Like, I communicate with him via mm-hmm. email. Um, but after that vice article came out about, you know, kind of people at the top being, you know, pieces of shit, which, you know, fuck them, get them out of there. And I don't care if vice hears me say that. Like, fuck all of those people and they should be fired immediately and maybe you have to pay restitutions. Um, but, uh,. <laughs> Yeah, just, like, give us back your last year's salary, you piece of shit. Um, but, uh, you know, like, whatever. Uh, but, you know, after that happened, there was a, a full couple weeks of anybody, especially, like, Donut Twitter, like, the Clint Knight Twitter, being, like, anything that I said they didn't like, they'd be like, oh, you're probably just, you know, taking a break from sexually assaulting women with your best friend, Shane Smith. Ah. <laughs> You're like, oh god! Because every mean, everyone everyone who has ever done anything with Vice, that's that's like that's how you get. That's I how you get in there. I took a break. I I got a, I got a, a fancy underground subway, fancy private subway underground ride from Wall Street over to the South <laughs> Williamsburg Vice offices to hang out for lunch with Shane and just harass women Bernie style. Th- that's where um, the, that's where America's high speed rail is. Actually, people don't know that. <laughs> it's between Wall Street and the vice offices. And so, it's underground so they, and no one knows about it. Yep, so that's... they can go back and forth and just harass women you know, more quickly. Um, I know I joke about it. This is something I should qualify. People get mad at me about this online all the time. The way I deal with heavy topics and, and tragedy and insecurity of my own kinds and stuff is through humor. And I mean, how do you not in this, how in this do you world? Not at this like, you, you just in... can't. We're in the. I don't know. Do you know the Adam? Do you saw the Adam Curtis uh, documentary uh, that like the Chapos talked about like a year and a half ago? Uh, the Zone. I have not. No. Uh, it's called um, Hypernormalization. I have not seen that. Uh, I think that's what it's called. It's great, but it talks about how in the Stalinist government uh, in the Soviet Union, and when there was like a high level of like government, you know, kind of spying and, you know, dissidents were, you know, disappeared all the time and stuff like that. There was this understanding that everything was not normal. Like something was mm-hmm. off, yeah. you know, but you couldn't, you know, you couldn't say what it was. You couldn't put your finger on it, but you just knew something was off. And like, we're kind of in that new phase of hypernormalization in the late stages of capitalism where like, Oh, you haven't been able to hold down a job for like, more than six months through no fault of your own, so your mom dies and you're just airbnb her old house or something like that, and that's how you make your living. And you're like, this isn't normal, and it doesn't build towards any sort of normal life progression and like kind of the American dream that we understood. You know, the the, the baby boomers uh, took yeah. and fucked uh, that dream. You know that this exists outside of that, but you don't have any individual thing. There's no praxis you can operate on on a day to day level that will allow you to 
you know, do anything about that. You can't go down mm-hmm. to the fucking store and start, you know, asserting your fucking workers' rights or something like that. You can't do that. Yeah. So you just kind of have to move on and just, you know, and, and the, the more immediate concerns are how am I going to find, you know, money to pay to live, you know, with an apartment, you know, that I can live in or food I can eat and, you know, pay my bills and things like that. And if I get sick, I want to, that's all so much more present for any given individual that like, you don't really have time to take a step back and, and, you know, rich people have the time to take a step back and, you know, consider how they're living their life and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, most people on a day-to-day basis just have to think about, you know, what they're doing. So in that way, you know, I feel like, we're a little bit in the zone now where, you know, everything that we've been doing online is just coming back to like, something's off. Like this shouldn't be how things work. This shouldn't be how things like information is disseminated. This shouldn't be how people, you know, deal with things. I mean, let's, 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 let's just talk about what just happened. Uh, this will give a, a date for when this was recorded, but who cares? Uh, let's just talk about what happened literally 30 minutes before we started this conversation. Oh, yeah, my little sister is in Hawaii right now, so shout out to my non-vaporized little sister. Yeah, a, a, a emergency alert goes out over people's phones, and apparently it even went out on the radio and on TV in Hawaii. Yeah, I know some sirens went off too. And sirens went off. Yeah. That, that let me read this this emergency yeah. alert exactly word mm-hmm. for word. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Now exactly, we're in the fucking zone, man. <laughs> I mean, a couple minutes later, uh, not even just a couple. I would say about could ten fifteen minutes later. So for ten fifteen minutes, people in Hawaii are thinking that they gotta run for cover somewhere. Ten fifteen well, minutes was- later. They're yeah. being told that it's uh, it was accidentally sent out and it was supposed to be a test. I don't know about you, but when I put out my emergency alert tests, I always end them with "This is not a drill." I, I it's baffling to me. And what it was funny is, so I, I saw that it was online, and I you know my family has like a group message thread, and my sister's in school in, in Hawaii, and uh, you know I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna text the family thread, see what's going on, you know, in Hawaii, as <laughs> this is concerning. And of course, all that effectively did was I think I made my mother shit her pants in the middle of teaching a high school English class. Um, but uh, I, uh, she, my sister seemed remarkably unfazed by it, as kind of shockingly, I was as well. I was like, oh, so it's happening now. All right. And I, I, I said yeah, this on, it wasn't I said this even on like, It wasn't even like people were calm because they didn't believe it. It was like people are calm because it was like, oh, here we are. If It's here. It's like, this is, this is where we are now. I felt like it was like almost like when you know you did bad on a test and you're waiting to get the test back and then you get it back and you did bad and you're like not that upset because you know you did bad. You were just like, yeah, I was expecting this. And it's like, it sucks, but, you know. But, and, you know, it also was kind of revelatory for myself at least to realize that in the event of a nuclear war, I guess the question of what I would do would be make online posts. Uh, it's like the aliens that find our nuclear, our nuclear obliterated, you know, kind of hellscape of a former civilization and go through some like, you know, old records, find my posts. I guess it'll all be worth it. 
I know people were joking about that, but what would we do? Like, even if they're, let's say the internet and Twitter and all that stuff didn't exist. Like, it's not like we live in an age where, oh, everyone knows where their local fallout shelter is. And we've gone through the the motions of what to do if we get one of these tests. Nobody knows shit what to do if this was actually supposed to happen. So like, I remember. It's not like, so it's not like, oh, you're wasting time posting, and I smartly got to my local shelter. Like I wouldn't have known what to do if there was no, like, if there was no internet, no Twitter, none of that stuff. I guess we would have been calling people and and, and like shit posting over the phone. I don't know. Yeah, man. I I mean, I remember. So I was in DC on 9/11, which was absolutely terrifying. And my father was supposed to be on a flight, a United flight from Boston to DC uh, that morning. I knew that. Um, but it was 2001 and like, I didn't have a cell phone You know, you had like the phone in the principal's office or some shit like that. And, you know, this happens at like, I guess when it's like 8am or something and, you know, we all get called in and we're talking about it and they'd say, you know, you know, play, I just lose it. I'm like, Oh, it's my dad. And he was on the one after it. Um, oh, wow. but they tied up all the phone lines in DC because it was still analog back then. And they wanted emergency services to be allowed to, to get through. So now it's this totally different thing where everybody can communicate. We have Twitter, we got Facebook, we got, you know, t- you know text, WeChat, or all these things. And everybody, I guess, like, this is what people would have been doing in 9-11 if we had the means to. I don't know. I also think it's kind of interesting that we've been desensitized to the point where we were like, I didn't know what, it, what was, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any, you know, kind of real thoughts on it. But I do remember when we were in school after 9-11 happened growing up in dc was weird that shit because we were like we had the teen murder rate like record so we had like a government curfew yeah you know, <laughs> winner winner that's why they changed the name from the bullets because they thought it was like a bad yeah like reference that was we had, probably like, the highest idea. teen murder rate in the country it was under marion barry and so we had a curfew of 11 o'clock every night if you were under 18 um so you had that and then you had the sniper, which was absolutely fucking terrifying. That was the worst of all. Of them. That was then, I, I, I lived in New York my whole life. I remember watching the the sniper thing on TV, and I was just even at that age, I was like, "This is insane!" Like especially right after nine eleven, and everyone's already on edge. It was crazy. Yeah, and then I missed school because of the anthrax. And they found the anthrax at the post office near my school and stuff like that. Like it was like it was a weird thing. So they hired. Like, the school system hired these, like, uh, consultants or something like that to come in and do, like, a terrorism, like, training seminar, like, once every month for, like, six months or something and get the kids ready to be, like, terror attacked, which was great for, as, like, as a 13-year-old, it was just exactly what you're looking for. Um, hey, I would have looked at it as sweet time away from class, you know? Time away from <laughs> class, yeah. I know it was just assembly time, except we had to learn how to deal with being attacked and so like the three ones that we had were move to safety up which was for chemical attacks move safety down which was for uh, and then intruder on campus or shooter on campus and uh i remember this kid in my class raised their hand and asked like what happens if a nuclear bomb goes off and whoever i think it was from like a booze allen or something like that like some security consultant who clearly had no bedside manner with kids or, you know, whatever, presentation manner with kids. Uh, just very 
very explicitly described to us how we and everybody we loved and knew would be killed in these horrific ways. They're like, there's no escaping. Oh, and people geez. kept like being like, what have we got in the subways? And he's like, well, there'd be uh, 800 degree uh, nuclear winds that would whip down through there going about 500 miles an hour to flens your skin off your body. Like, <laughs> oh my God. We were 13. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so I thought about that shit a lot, but like now, I guess, especially growing up in D.C., I'm very desensitized to all that shit. We also had this crazy, D.C., like, people don't know about this, it doesn't really make the national news, but pretty regularly, an old man flying a Cessna for the first time accidentally drifts into, like, restricted airspace, which is very, because National Airport is right across the river from downtown D.C., so restricted airspace is a very close to non-restricted airspace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'll be some old couple and they will scramble fighter jets and evacuate every government building because some old couple was like, Harold, I told you. <laughs> like, it's just like they took a wrong turn in their little fucking biplane or something. <laughs> and it happens semi-regularly. Not as much these days, but under Bush, it happened all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, I, I live by, uh, by uh, City Field. So um, whenever they have the, uh, the military aircraft like fly over for events, I'm, I'm usually sh- sure that a plane is crashing or about to crash into my apartment building. It is, oh, yeah, yeah, it is extremely loud, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is it. This is just how it goes. This is <laughs> why did they build such high, <laughs> such high buildings up in these areas where these planes can quite clearly crash into them? Yeah, it seems like a, a, um, an oversight, but I guess it's those mil- – don't those crash all the fucking time? Like I feel like I've seen a million air show disaster videos. Yeah. That yeah. feels like very proto-YouTube, like early YouTube days before yeah. it was like – Look at this guy named Xavier terrorizing old folks' home for charity somehow. Um, like, and they had all these crazy Logan Paul bullshit. Wouldn't it be insane if Logan Paul was behind <laughs> the, the terror warning? He is, you know, it, <laughs> he's so stupid, first of all. <laughs> how do these, I mean, it's obvious how they get so famous because they don't give a shit, so they just post whatever. And they, they have no online. filter. Yeah, they have no filter. Yeah. Um, but... You know, how the, the thing that gets me isn't that Logan Paul, this fucking idiot kid, posts uh, a video of a guy who committed suicide in the Japanese uh, forest mm. called, like, what's it called? Like, Suicide Forest, too. It's, yeah. it's that so many people watch that video without any sort of problem with it. And a lot of those people are, are I'm assuming, pretty young and so no problem yeah. in, in it. So that's I've, – I've said this many times. People always focus on Facebook and Twitter being where all this terrible shit is happening and we need to uh, – you know, Facebook and Twitter have no, to No, YouTube is terrible. YouTube is, is literally probably There's like, they many times worse problem. than that. It's, they have a real bad pedophilia problem on YouTube. It's kind of insane. I think that's been something that's been really shocking to me. Like – all due respect to the to the Pizzagate believers, but that that shit is insane. But I think the larger trend, especially with all this Hollywood stuff, is of learning of all that shit going on, like the fucking pedophilia rings of of America, which I kind of assumed was like more of a niche problem than it than it's turning out yeah, to be. I read some. I was reading some really interesting article recently about how like there's private Periscope accounts or something that they all have some like code word in their username to let people know that they're uh, 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 like a place to, to get child porn. And it's so incredible that this stuff 
flies on these major sites and you'd think there would be there would be some sort of bigger filter some sort of technology that would be able to stop this in its tracks but i guess we got to wait for these guys to care about this shit to do something about it i mean it's insane i don't know i think they insane I mean, we care about it a lot more than we have historically as a country. I mean, I, I remember I was look, like hearing about like how they dealt with like child porn in like the eighties, and like the local cops would come and like tell you not to do that. Like that's what they they used to do. Like when it was like VHS is being mailed to your house, the cops would just like intercept it and be like, "Don't do that." And like, I guess maybe they'd try and figure out who made it, but like the people who were receiving it were like got no punishment. And so at least like as a culture now, we're like, that's a horrific crime and should be pursued to the fullest extent of the law. But like, yeah, I don't know. They, they are, if nothing, you know, I mean, like with all of that shit, like with drug dealers online and, you know, you know, human traffickers, everybody, they're just, you know, very, you know, I guess malleable in their processes to like kind of, you know, be nimble around, you know, law enforcement. So like, you know, law enforcement gets on one forum, they go to another one or something like that. Um, but back to Logan Paul real quick, that shit he did in Japan with the forest, I found to be infinitely less offensive, not infinitely, but less offensive than everything else he did in Japan from like a cultural standpoint. I think it's globally offensive, but it was interesting to me that people were like, like, this is particularly disrespectful to Japan. And I'm like, I think that's disrespectful anywhere the, the, like, the, 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 the filming the suicide thing? filming next to like a suicide victim you're like i don't think that's a japan yeah. thing. i, I, I don't think they're like that may fly in oklahoma but not that might fly in queens new york but not here in japan mister um but the other stuff he did was he was just walking around being fucking mickey rooney in breakfast at tiffany's essentially uh, like assaulting random people and just even if it yeah, wasn't he was throwing racist, like he was throwing like been, Pokeballs at random Japanese people and police officers and shit and like, you know, rubbing his ass on walls and like licking people and stuff like licking people, breaking shit that was not his. Yeah, that's me is all punching down, which is like, if you're going to punch down, at least be fucking funny. Like (laughs) if you're going to be like punching down, like one of those, like, you know, early internet, like something awful forum type, you know, kind of early mean internet shit. Like, at least, like, do something unique and funny. Don't just fucking, like, go around and, like, okay, so you're obnoxious. That's your, your gimmick. You're just a really obnoxious person. All right. But, I mean, it, it's amazing to me that, like, I think, you know, it's good that he's getting whatever pushback he's getting. But, like, the whole brain that's being developed by that YouTube culture is fucked, in my mind. I don't know. I don't want to be, like, one of those, like, slightly older guys who's, like, the kids in their early 20s are fucked. Um, but... You know, like, I, I'm not even a gamer, but, like, the idea of watching someone else play a video game is, is thoroughly baffling to me. Um, oh, yeah, like the whole Twitch culture and... Yeah, yeah. But that started on YouTube. Yeah. And you have, like, you know, PewDiePie Let's on play. YouTube and stuff like that. Like, he's just some, like, he's, he's not particularly funny. Like, it's, I don't get it. And, you know, I mean... My ex used to have this friend who was, like, a famous YouTuber or something like that. She was, like, 23 years old, and she did, like, makeup tutorials and, like, would talk. But, like, for the most part, she seemed like just a normal, like, girl from, like, New Jersey. You know, just, like, she, you know, wasn't crazy with makeup. She was, like, a little, you know, looked like she could be a theater person. And I was shocked to learn that she owns a loft in Dumbo and a large house in Hollywood Hills off nice. this fucking YouTube shit. Yeah, 
A lot of people make like, a lot of money off YouTube. It's fucking nuts to me. See, but uh, I look at I look at the whole YouTube thing the same way I look at uh, like politics with Trump as president. It's like I always thought like, oh wow, give a mass audience the tools to be able to create their own videos and content, whatever. Mm-hmm. And people who would have been overlooked previously can now go out and, and get what's like what they what their talents deserve. But what's mm-hmm. happening is people with zero talent are are coming up with ways to like get this massive audience of course there are talented people on youtube and whatever i'm not gonna malign oh, them course, all yeah. but there's a whole like logan paul i knew a hundred type of logan pauls in high school just dumb guys who just go out and do fucking stupid shit uh racist shit sexist shit just like you know jackass stuff but without the uh even even Don't johnny even, knoxville even how johnny dare knoxville you, how was, dare you mention <laughs> jackass and logan paul in the same statement jackass is a venerated of treasure course, of our society of course of course I, Let me tell I'm, you, we did I'm a lot of jackass curious. shit back in high school. <laughs> but, oh, um, God, dude. Cards, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> that was – but even that, there was like – Dude, know, full CKY kid. Hell yeah. There was like an ingenuity <laughs> behind it. Like these guys have nothing. There's no talent behind it at all. They they wish they were Johnny Knoxville. They wish they were Steve-O. They don't got that. Yeah. They don't have it at did all. Did you see the guy who got – who sh- his girlfriend shot him point blank and he's like, all right, we're doing a YouTube prank where I can show that like if I hold a Bible in front of me, like a really thick Bible or like a dictionary or some shit. Like this, like Desert Eagle won't shoot through. And he got killed. His and he just got murdered. Yeah, I'm he like, asked his girlfriend to shoot him. She did for a YouTube prank video or whatever. And, yeah. And like, it's not even a prank, but that's what they. I feel like everything, everything on YouTube that's My big, they is, always name. Why didn't prank. you just shoot a book first? Yeah. Just put a book against the wall and see if the bullet goes through. Yeah. This requires maybe a dollar more. You know, you got to buy another book, so maybe a twenty dollar more investment. For the bullet and the and the book. Well, maybe he felt like his life didn't wasn't wasn't worth the extra twenty dollars. I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you remember the fucking Darwin Awards? I feel like in our current culture, the Darwin Awards could not exist. Like yeah. you couldn't publish the Darwin Awards in twenty eighteen. Be like, Haha, look at this dumbass who died. <laughs> but it would, like, it would bring too uh, much attention to these these idiots. <laughs> you're like, if, uh, they're not idiots. They're they're living. You know, challenged or you know, <laughs> but they're they're retaining their ball sack challenge. Because those were the best ones. The guys who were just, they didn't get killed, but they were taken out of the gene pool. Um, those were the best fucking oh, Darwin yeah, Awards. Yeah. I don't know how many of those ended up being true, but I, I like to believe all of them. Yeah. For all of our younger viewers or listeners or whatever, uh, if you've never heard of the Darwin Awards, I highly recommend that you go out and purchase it. It can't cost more than a dollar or two at this point. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Get the Kindle version for like... 13 cents but, but with the with the youtube stuff i was talking about like it's the same thing now with like with politics where i i used to think oh you know more people cared about politics everyone would be you know this would be great everyone would be so much smarter and they'd be more into policy and things like that but now everyone's into politics and it's all trump was installed by russia that's what happened he's not really the president it's like holy shit everybody what the fuck's going on like I Everybody's regret. Every, I, I, re- I regret. I regret wanting more people to get into politics. I regret it. I wish. Yeah, less 2016 people. was definitely the year of me being disillusioned with like. I don't know. I guess like under Obama, you could be forgiven for thinking like the majority of the Democratic voter bloc are you know sane and and rational people. And well, I, I think remember. I remember. Said it. I remember being on the majority oh. report during that time oh. and getting maligned oh. by those by like the 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 you know centrist type liberals getting maligned by them as being emo progs that was like the the big word what yeah if you basically heard that one yeah emo prog was the big term 
during the the second uh, term of Obama, if you had a problem with the kill list, if you had a problem with drone strikes, if you criticized the fact that uh, El Waki's uh, 16-year-old son, who was a U.S. citizen, was taken out by a, a U.S. drone strike. Um, Middle of nowhere for no reason. Yeah, if you had a problem with any of that type of... If you defended Chelsea Manning... If you uh, future U.S. Senator Chelsea Manning, baby. yes, I just saw that. That is, I hope, oh, God, hell yeah, she baby. Wins. If you had a problem with any of that stuff Obama did, then you were called an emo prog. That was the term. It was it 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 was much. It felt much bigger at the time. But now that you know Bernie Bros arose from this the the 2016 election and brochalists and all that, I feel like emo prog has really fallen to the wayside. But Emo Prague will always hold a special place in my heart. Oh, man, I probably would have caught a lot of that, too, had I been on Twitter at that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like I was disillusioned with those people. Like, there's a, a like, I guess you call them like eight percenters or whatever. Shout out to Maple Cocaine for coining that. But I think a lot of those people, this is this gets back to this thing that I think I heard first vocalized by Leon and Felix. Um, shout out to them that I'm, I'm choosing to call niche erosion. And it's a really interesting point, which is the idea that, like, you know, kind of X number of years ago, the Internet was a more of a diaspora sort of thing in terms of communities. There were a lot of people who existed on kind of very niche message boards and things. Like, I personally was the moderator of a skateboard photography forum in, in my teen years. Uh, like, that was my main kind of posting venue. And then now that we've had this kind of erosion in, in the same way that's happened with hyper I had a pro wrestling fantasy federation. So there you go. So. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So in the same way that happened with, like, you know, X number of years ago, we had, like, 50 banks, and now we have, like, four. Like, you know, the same thing has happened with social media, kind of with the hyper-corporatization of everybody acquiring everybody. So now you have, basically, like, a couple main platforms. Instagram is one of them, but it's even owned by Facebook. So you have a couple of platforms, maybe three major ones, that people are actually, you know, having dialogues on. Because I'm going to say Tumblr, people don't have dialogues on Pinterest. Uh, or really Instagram. So, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr are where people are having dialogues now. And it's just forced us to be like, we're in the same room as people who are Nazbol. We're in the same room as the donut Twitter people. And it just makes for this fucking... One, it, you, you get fewer interesting kind of people, I think, because, you know, not to you know talk too poorly of myself, but, you know, you have people who become popular... And, you know, they're pushed on you, you know, like, you know, you sign up for Twitter and they're like, here are like the nine people you should follow. It's like you know, Chrissy Teigen, fucking, you know, Jack, you know, fucking no, like, you know, you should have more of a diaspora because it's, you know, I think where better conversations happen. Yeah. And I think that's kind of happening with YouTube. I mean, even YouTube years ago was, you know, there were some like popular people, but they were of their own, you know, kind of, uh, you know, silo. Um, but you know, now you have like YouTube sponsored personalities, you have billboards for like their shows that they're producing and, you know, it's just becoming kind of the same thing, just an erosion of niches kind of across the board, which unfortunately creates something that is usually has wide appeal, but low value, yes. like Logan Paul, Logan Paul appeals to a lot of kids, but he has low value. If he was doing something that was more niche and more interesting or more, you know, respectable, he would have less of a, you know, a broad appeal. It's kind of like uh, you go to a restaurant that makes everything, everything tastes like shit. You know, if they make like yes. eight different types of cuisines, you know, they, you know, Logan Paul is like you know, a trying to, 
Yeah, he's trying to appeal to everything. <laughs> I have been that man that's made the mistake of going upstate and sitting down at a diner and being like, oh, fish and chips. Yeah, you get a burger like, at a no, diner. You don't that's what you order do. you fish get a and burger. chips at a You get a burger, you get like a chicken sandwich or something, you know, <laughs> straight up. You get the chili or something. Like, I've, I've gone deep into those like 10 page menus. Never get anything think, off the diner, me- the, the dinner menu. It's always yeah. just get off the lunch menu, even if it's even if it's for dinner, because you don't want to try the diner pot roast or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was at a bed and breakfast in Vermont a couple weeks ago, and they were having like some like Rotary Club meeting or something in the in the restaurant downstairs. Nice. Visiting I Bernie. It was be- what? Visiting Bernie. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Doing uh, doing the Bernie Sanders fantasy tour of just you know stomping around, being uh, unemployed and disrespecting women. Um, but, uh, no, I was in the, uh, I was in like the restaurant and I realized, okay, it's Friday. And I looked at the menu and it was like Friday only seniors menu <laughs> meatloaf night. <laughs> and it was like, I love that they have a menu that just like makes things for old people. Like, uh, it's the early bird special, man. Yeah. I do remember I got to eat like at, um, I was like, uh, one of my friends was writing for a food blog at one point uh-huh. and they took me as their plus one to this like free dinner they got at a uh, 21 club. Ah, what? Uh, which, yeah, finger out. Ah, I was very out of my element. Um, and maybe 60 years the junior of anybody else there. Um, but they took us downstairs and showed us Richard Nixon's old bottle of wine. But then, you know, we had a tasting menu. And it was, like, out of a fucking, like, old Audrey Hepburn movie. They were like, next up, Lobster Newberg, paired with lobster, like, baked thermidor. And, like, for dessert, we got Cherry's Jubilee and shit. And I'm like, this is just... This is the oldest menu I've ever seen. You guys have an update. I had leftover spaghetti last night. Eisenhower. Like, oh, God. It was, I mean, it was good, I guess. It was just like, I don't think I've ever had lobster thermidor before or since. Um, nor seen it as available. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, like what you're saying, it's, it's almost, I'm writing an article about advice right now, actually, about kind of like failing up in the conservative new media. Which is, I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of parallels to be drawn between someone like Logan Paul and someone like Laura Loomer. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, if, if even we just focus on YouTube and exactly what you were saying about these YouTubers, like there is no good out of, uh, you know, some young person stumbling upon some like two minute Stefan Molyneux rant. And then, no, God, and no. then, and then, well, okay, fine. Like, let's, let's just say that. Is that how you mi- say his name, Molyneux? Molyneux, yeah. So let's just yeah. say that let's just he say French that like Canadian? Good. He's, he, I have no idea. He's some crazy. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but um I'm shaking my fist at the Quebecois. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Quebec, I love you. I'll be there soon. I love you. So like, you know, even if that 2-minute video existed back in, you know, the old days of the internet whatever, that would have done no real damage. But nowadays, you can just log on and listen to this guy live stream for 3 hours and just get lost in his crazy rants. And when you're a 13, Dude, 14, three 15 year old guy, Alaska's, I got kicked off Twitter rant was nine hours of him in a parking lot. It's like who, nine who hours this stuff, of him but in a parking there's lot. There's an audience. There is an audience. It, I mean, it, it, like kind of like the rules of probability would, would dictate that there are at least a handful of people who watched all nine hours, which is so heartbreaking to me. And I guess, you know, I, I think, you know, the Internet shines a light. I think it's it's tempting to believe that the internet has created these people, and I don't think it's created anybody. I don't think we were smarter, you know, forty years ago or anything like that as a, as a society in general. 
I think that, you know, we just had a more siloed approach to who had voices in the media and a more measured approach. And so like now every idiot has a voice. But the, in terms of those parallels, you know, speaking of every idiot, you know, people like Laura, people like Jack Posobiec, people like uh, Mike Cernovich, you know, they kind of fail upward in the same way. Like, you know, Logan Paul, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny that he got kicked off that thing, but a lot of people do like just as bad things on YouTube and they get like a little bit admonished and all it really does is increase their notoriety because people are talking about them and that's their goal. Like they're, they're kind of attempting to be trolls. And in the same way with like, how is that functionally different than going and jumping on stage at a Shakespeare play and screaming, you're all Goebbels or something like that. That was so bizarre when he did that. So no, bizarre. so she, Laura, went on stage, and Jack just started screaming from the rafters, yeah. all gerbils. And but he was trying to—he was not trying to say the word gerbils. He thought he was no, he was trying properly to say gerbils, pronouncing. Yeah, he just—he was just saying gerbils, um, which you know, I guess is an insult in its own right. You know, I mean, they're cute, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, like. How is that functionally different than going and throwing a pokeball at a police officer in Japan? Yeah, you no... don't gain anything. You just, you know, it's this this weird thing that's happened where, you know, I think there's this weird tribalist hatred of anything that's seen as lib to the point that even if this person is a complete asshat who's proven to be wrong all the time and a liar who, like, specifically knows they're lying and does it on purpose, like, those sorts of things, you know, it's it's different than what happens with like dickhead pundits on the cable news channels because you know someone like you know neocon asshole would go on you know cnn and you know, talk about you know the iraq war being a good idea in 2008 and you know now they'll admit that they were wrong but that does not prevent them in any way from being asked to come on cnn to give their very you know serious war opinion and that's different than what I'm talking about because no one praises them for being wrong. It's just kind of annoying that they don't get fired. Yeah. People seem to genuinely like that. Like people like when people like Laura Loomer and these other people like fake things and do stupid shit, like the tire thing, like well, that isn't got, disqualifying she, for her. That was, that was a that devastating was bad, moment but, for her. <laughs> yeah. That was bad. Or like the, the meltdown down by fucking the world trade center with like that, uh, that car attack happened where she was just like running around and taking photos of women in head scars being like, what's yeah. happening? How is this woman allowed to be here? Like, yeah, that's deeply embarrassing to anybody who has any sort of self-awareness. But well, I remember when she was, uh, she, she, uh, was claiming, I forgot what the, what the exact, uh, moment, what the exact event was, but she claimed that, uh, the wife of some, uh, terrorist attempt, uh, attemptee, uh, was from, mm-hmm. uh, was from like Dubai or something. So that automatically yep. meant she knew something and was a terrorist. And then mm-hmm. I looked up the picture uh, of, Oh, that was you. Right? Yeah. The picture of her in Dubai, in Dubai saying how much she loved Dubai and it was great. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she's not the she's Soviet not, guy. Know he does all these things in bad faith. She might be that dumb. She yeah. I don't it's think possible. everything. She yeah. I think same with Jack. She's Paul. young though. You know she's like twenty three, right? Yeah, yeah. But so she's young. There's, there's young. There's young people who are mm. not like a lot. I would say most young. people I did dumb things when I was young, but it wasn't on national platforms. I usually, usually at twenty three, if you're not sure about something, you have the the ability to to not, you know, I'm not going to post this. Cause I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, I don't think she's going to like, you know, mutate over the next ten years into some sort of normal, well functioning person. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean, just I look at think- uh, Posty, whatever his name is, Jack Posobiec, Piss Boy. Like he is, he he had a, like an actual career before becoming an alt writer. He worked 
for like uh, one of the network news companies, didn't it? He was like a ABC yeah, yeah, or CBS? And, he was in, and he was in the Navy Reserves. They revoked his uh, security clearance, and they said it was because he was oh, an organizer of the Charlottesville rally. He says because of the deep state. Um, so it's yeah. probably somewhere somewhere in the middle. Who, probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, who couldn't have seen that coming? Un- unfortunately, um, but nonetheless, like, do you know how Laura Loomer got her her start, as it were? Uh, I remember she was hanging out with uh, one of those uh, Twitch live streamers who yeah. was a 4chan shit poster, and she was one of the main people who would show up at um, what's his face, uh, the actor Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, uh, his- so before that, like a couple of years ago, she maybe two th- two years ago she was still in college, and she was expelled because, and I believe this was because she was goaded to doing it on 4chan. Um, but she tried to start a pro-ISIS campus support group uh, that to trick libs in, because, like, she thought, you know, because libs are like, oh, they love Muslims, uh, that she, she would get a bunch of liberal students to oh, join it. And then she just immediately got expelled for trying to start an ISIS support group. Damn, she got us. We got owned that's in that one. one. Of the, that's one of the worst cell phones I could think of. Like <laughs> Sitting there being like, ooh, I'm going to get those libs and like smash cut to the next day when you're packing up your room. See, I, I knew her as basically, I remember when uh, Shia LaBeouf had his He Will Not Divide Us like art thing on yeah. the show. Where basically you showed up at the uh, Museum of Moving Image in Queens. There was a video mm-hmm. outside and you it was like an anti-Trump uh, like uh, performance art that anyone could take part in. And bunch of like uh, 4chan or 8chan or gamergator type people found out about it. I remember it. the milk guys. Yeah. Yes, the milk guys. And they showed up to this yeah. thing basically to interrupt anyone who was trying to actually mm. use it. And there was this this girl, I don't remember her name, uh, who was just like a Twitch person before that who was friends with these 4chan guys. So she went with them. And mm. then at some uh, – I think it was like a rally after they tried to uh, – when, when that whole – the protest mm. – the protest happened at JFK because of the uh, the the ban based on where people were coming from, the country mm. ban. Um, there was like a a protest in Union Square the day after that ban went through, and I remember that the Twitch girl got arrested and Laura Loomer taking over her stream. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was my first, uh, I guess, uh, first time noticing that Laura Loomer existed. And yeah. I just remember thinking, like, this girl is not very, like, but the, at least the She Twitch, has a distinctive look. Yeah. At least the Twitch girl, while she was completely everything I'm against politically and a loser, at least she's somewhat somewhat entertaining. <laughs> like, Laura Loomer is just, like, out there. And I just remember watching that stream being like, this girl is trying to, like, have her moment here. She's trying to take this audience away from this girl. And let me tell you, after that live stream, I never saw that Twitch girl again Involved in any of this sort of alt right stuff, and yeah, Laura Loomer took girls from there. in the alt right, man. They did you notice like there was that thing like a couple weeks ago where like some of them were like, "Hey, fellas, so what's up with all this sexism in the alt right? I didn't sign up for this." <laughs> what like, whoa, fuck? whoa, what did you think? Was where all did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, all the guys in the alt right are like, "See, fellas, this is why we can't let dames in. They always like uh, ruin everything when they ask us not to do the sexism." And you're like, I'm like. Uh, I, 
you know, a little bit of like I have like the the smallest modicum of sympathy for the the can't, girls of the alt right who are like I can't even just like you can't even just go after the the girls the, the ladies of the alt right though because in the same respect a lot of, a lot of these like alt right white supremacist guys are all like why aren't we uh why aren't we making more babies and spreading our white seed or whatever it's like maybe because you're like hey broad step back let us handle it over here like what like do you not and see the like, disconnect there. Exactly. And the same point, too, is like, I think a lot of these girls will come to the alt-right kind of ideology because they're like they're into traditionalist lifestyle. Like, you know, they, they like the idea of returning to hearth and home and all that other crap. Like, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? A, a purposeful wife yeah, type crap. You don't, you, know? you, don't need to, you don't need to be forced to do that. Like, you could just choose. You could live in a world where you could choose to be a housewife. You can just do that. They're just really <laughs> mad that no one else wants to do that with them. I always think about what the life of a, like, a, a, a purposeful wife must be like. Like, she's going around, like, there's, she can't have anybody, she's not Amish or anything like that, she's not Mennonite, she doesn't have, like, some weird community of, like, you know, uh, you know, old-timey people, or people who wear old-timey clothes with her. Do you see that shit where she started sewing, like, floral skirt bottoms onto jeans, but, like, at halfway down the thigh? It's, like, very odd. It's just, like, this is a way to trad up your, like, old jeans. You're like, oh, my God. But a lot of these girls go to the alt-right. Uh, because they see that as being supportive of kind of the traditionalist family lifestyle and, and structure and stuff like that. And if, they want they want all that, but they also want to be able to like take the lead when it comes to like letting their voice be heard. Which uh, exactly. guys like you can't you can't you can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. Well, or you know you have to start a traditionalist movement that is anti-sexist somehow. I don't know how you would do those things, but like. At the same time, I never want to say anybody who's harassed or anything like that deserves it because oh, that yeah. even if they go into that, no one deserves to be harassed. Well, uh, that's not true. The guy who did the uh, Charlottesville rally definitely deserves. To be no, harassed. no, no, no. I don't mean in that <laughs> sense. I mean like just for being a woman. No one deserves oh, to be harassed, yeah, no definitely. matter what community they're in, just for being a woman. Definitely. Even if you just exist in a Nazi community, like that doesn't mean that you actually. If you're an actual Nazi, I don't give a fuck. But like, if you're like on the alt light, if you're like Laura Loomer or something like that, you don't deserve. To like be, oh no, you know, I would never catch the brunt of sexism just because you made the very bad decision to ally with these people. Yeah, but having said it that, would it, be does incredibly, feel it'd be incredibly, it'd be incredibly like it'd be incredibly they jumped stupid. in a pool and were mad that it feels like a lot like they jumped in a pool. They're wet. It okay. would be incredibly you stupid to go sign after up for a sexism club. <laughs> it would be so ridiculous to go after Laura Loomer because she's a girl. When there's so much, so much to go on, so much actual, like, imagine that, imagine thinking the, the problem with Laura Loomer is that she's a lady. <laughs> yeah, as if, like, her level of, like, idiocy is, is, you know, exclusive to her and not actually way more prevalent in, like, because I'm thinking about, like, there's her and Lauren Southern and, like, Britt Pettibone and, like, a few other of those idiots. Have you like, seen the video, of- have you seen the video of uh, Lauren Southern, everybody, is this Canadian alt-writer who became famous working for like the Rebel Media or something? One of those conservative. That's where Laura, uh, Laura Loomer works. Yeah, I think that's where everyone gets their start now. That's the new like uh, intro. That's the new like Newsmax or something. Mm. Oh um, God! <laughs> but uh, have you seen the video of Lauren Southern discovering uh, that she is not all uh, the uh, like the the Scandinavian or Nordic person that she is or whatever it is i did it's absolutely hilarious there was one like that where i feel like it's an older video but it was like a video of a guy who was like an actual nazi finding out that his like he was like part african that was like on like some one of those like, it's like on maury maury yeah something yeah but there's something about lauren southern on her own getting like her 23 and me done or whatever yeah and she gets it back and she finds out that she's got a bit of spanish blood in her just amazing 
It's just absolutely hilarious shit. She she, uh, she could have stopped that video at any time. Like, did she realize that she didn't have to post that video? That's the thing that's so amazing <laughs> to me. Like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Vic. Vic has been doing, like, these amazing, like, kind of roundups of, like, stupid things Vic that... Vic Burger, yeah. Yeah, I mean, God help, like, God send that man some fucking bonuses or something because it, how he has the tenacity and the willpower to literally watch all of fucking every like minute of everything that baked alaska and mike cernovich stream is beyond me it's it's a it seems like torture but uh nonetheless he you know decided to you know do that for all of our good for you know it's for the benefit of all of us and and you know he should be thanked you know heartily for that but like they published the worst self-owns. And I think the understanding is like, oh, you know, it's too, you know, like no one who's like not a fan of mine is going to be watching this. And then, you know, fucking Vic is out there watching it and he gets everything. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all out there for us to find. We just have to dig deep into it and find yeah, <laughs> find some of this stuff. Um, this is a bit off topic, but... um. I got to tell you, when I first saw your Twitter name and your, your Twitter avatar picture, uh-huh. uh, it being Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh-huh. um, and then obviously reading your politics and everything, it definitely yeah. sent me in a, in a fantasy world where I imagined what the rest of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles politics would be. <laughs> and, and I got to say, uh, from being a huge Ninja Turtle fan when I was a kid, some of it is pretty crazy. Like, uh, I think... I think Raphael would definitely be like a a, a Bernie supporting socialist. He would be <laughs> part of the DSA. Michelangelo would definitely be someone who uh, voted for Jill Stein. He definitely would be one of those like uh, I know Michael Brooks, my buddy over yeah. the majority part. He calls them the dumb dumb left. Mm-hmm. Those crazy like Seth Rich leftists. Oh my god! Yeah, Michelangelo would definitely be one of them. Donatello, I think. Would have been would be a donut, I think. He seems like someone who'd be a donut. You know, Casey Jones would have definitely voted for Gary Johnson, without a doubt. I uh, yeah, that's true for sure. Uh, <laughs> Casey would have, and then I, all right. So my only thought is that I think Michelangelo would be a Trump dude because he, you know, Michelangelo is a fucking frat boy. He's got the fucking backwards visor on. He's just a party dude, and those guys just love that. He's Michelangelo would be that guy. You know that picture when Trump won. And there was that picture of, like, five guys whose names all looked like they were, like, you know, Travis uh, in blue blazers and red hats, just screaming, like, banshee screams. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. it was, like, a famous photo. Yeah. Michelangelo is friends with those dudes. That's his friends. But I, I would say— I just feel like he'd be way too into, like, weed or something to want to be—could well, even get behind Trump, you know? Those guys smoke mad weed. He's, <laughs> he, he's not an intellectual enough to think about it beyond the fact that Trump is big and party. So he's a big party dude. I think that my only other one is wait, who's the purple one? Who's like the That's Donatello. Don, Donatello. Donatello was a supporter of uh of of uh French's uh, David French's campaign or non existent campaign. That's my <laughs> thought. He was like one of the guys who was like, guys, he's gonna do it. He's he's got the background, he's got you know, he was in he was in uh fucking Jag and fucking in the Navy. He's got the background, he's got the intellectual fortitude. And he will stand apart from Clinton and Trump, and then just it didn't happen. Yeah. God, that would have been so fucking funny if he ran. He like, ran, yeah. 
because he doesn't have enough money. It would be really funny if he like had enough money to like Ross Perot it and just like somehow got into every debate and just complained about everybody not like respecting centrism enough or something. It, I wish someone, if not him, someone like that could have could have easily done it. Like how did? How yeah, did, I think. How did uh, Evan McMullen not find a way to get on the stage at some point? Like, how did he just not figure out a way to just sneak on in oh, there? God, I would have hated that though. He would have been w- the worst. He would have been like. Every one of Clinton's most obnoxious answers, like she had some good answers and she had some really obnoxious answers to a lot of the questions in the debates. Take whatever her most obnoxious answer was, times it by 10, and that would be Evan McMullen. He would use the word patriotism a thousand times more and like, fuck me, dude. I don't know. I've been, that's <laughs> another thing that's been really fucking absurd to watch is after that fucking security, uh, after that vote yesterday to expand the, the surveillance shit by all the members of the resistance has been like, Oh, I thought the Democrats were the ones that like, weren't the, like, I want to fillet every person who has a badge, but I guess we're the pro we're, we're both the black lives matter party and the all cops. Oh, are good no, party. It, it didn't surprise me at all. It didn't, that didn't surprise me at all. I remember again, this goes back to the emo prog stuff. Anyone who yeah. was against the FISA court, man, what, why wouldn't, what, I mean, what, if you're, if you're on that, if you're, if they're checking you out, if they want your information, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you have nothing to worry about, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a valid point, but nonetheless, I think like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm constantly just like thinking about how easy it was to get away with crimes back in the day. Yeah, it's probably not a good thing to think about. (laughs) But it's like it reminds me of that old John Mulaney stand up bit where he was talking about how like back in the day you'd wear like your Sunday church outfit and you'd like write your name on the wall of the bank and bullets and then be like, tell him it was John Brown and the Beaver Boys. And like, you know, as long as you weren't in the bank when the police got there. I think about how like easy it would be like if you lived on like a farm in 1900 and you like didn't like your neighbor and the cops would like what was cop like work like back then? You know, like the 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 bar for like reasonable doubt must have been much lower. Oh, like they were like oh. he was well known to be in a feud with Farmer John, and like well, you know, you know this this I always love this tidbit when we talk about when everyone anyone brings up police. <laughs> mm. Did you know that you can actually score too high on an IQ test and that disqualifies you from becoming a police officer? What? Yes. I, What's too high? I love. Let me look up this case. I this case has been on like I don't know the exact number, but I this case is always in my mind when whenever the police come up, it's the first thing, and people are always shocked about it. There was a two thousand a year two thousand case where a man sued because he wanted to be a police officer, but their intelligence, t- but he scored too high on their intelligence test, and so they wouldn't hire him. And so they thought he wouldn't be like a good foot soldier. Exactly. Exactly. That's insane to me. And Although, it, was, it was found to be like completely uh, fine. It makes me think of, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get this right, but I think it's, it's. Oh, I should look it up. I think it's Gonzalez versus Castle Rock. Yeah, that was it. Um, so yeah, I was right, damn straight. All right, so it was Castle Rock versus Gonzalez or whatever. But so it was this court case back in I want to say 2005 that was. Um, like it got to the Supreme Court, and it was the one that like like proved that or like set the precedent rather that the cops are not under any obligation from the Constitution to protect you from crimes. They're only there to arrest individuals who commit crimes, because basically like this woman called the the cops like a bunch saying like Hey, my ex or something like that is gonna kill me. He keeps like trying to come to my house to kill me, and they're like Well, if he kills you, call us back, and. 
like a couple days later, he went to her house and like killed her and like everybody else who was there. And they tried to sue the police and it got to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided 7-2 that the cops were under no obligation to protect you, despite the fact that their badge says to protect and serve. They're under no obligation to do that. Their only constitutional obligation is to arrest people guilty of breaking the law. So if you combine that with yours, that means that cops are required to ignore things that are to not protect you and be dumb constitutionally yes here here's the case okay so this was in september of 2000 uh, a man by the name of robert jordan this he lost this was an appeal he lost when the uh, second u.s circuit court of appeals in new york upheld a lower court's decision that they did not discriminate against him because the same standards were applied to everyone who took the test and basically this guy took an exam in 1996 and scored a 30 uh, scored a 33 and that put him at an equivalent of an IQ of 125. But uh, they only the police only wanted people who scored a 20 to 27 on the test. So the theory that they, they claimed was that if you scored too high, you would get bored with police work and leave after undergoing the training. But I don't believe that for a second. How do you like, where do you find detectives? Where do you find the people who have to like deal with really hard cases? I don't understand. Like if you have all these dum-dums becoming beat cops, where do you, where do you become, like where do they find their pool of smart guys who can solve high profile cases? Well, I think that's probably less of a necessity because most of the crimes are probably being caught on camera and it's like a, uh, you know, an easy thing to do, you know, to catch people. That's what's been saying to me. We're under such a, like a deep surveillance state. That, like, the idea of getting away with a crime in, like, New York City is baffling to me. Like, how you, like, they're ch- you know, checking your phones, like, they can do all this stuff, like, you're on 18 different security cameras in every place you yeah, stand. Yeah, people get like, away still. Kind of. Remember there was that one guy who got away with that bucket of gold dust like he had? I remember that, that. Cool. yeah. That was such a crime of opportunity. He, like, walked up they to a truck him. and there was just a painter's bucket of gold dust. And he was like, okay. Or gold flakes or whatever. I mean, I honestly would have seen that and thought nothing. I would have had no clue what the hell that was. I'd have been like, "Well, that's a cool color." Like, like <laughs> <laughs> I certainly would have thought to take it, um, but that's, I guess, just my timid. I'm not a big crime doer. Maybe, uh, as, maybe as, a, as a rule, maybe the guy who stole who stole it was like his politics. He was like an anarcho libertarian or something, and he knew exactly what He's it was. He's a member of the DSA getting up to their old hijinks again. But he knew exactly what it was. He believes in the gold standard. He doesn't... <laughs> like, what is Melania going to eat now? This is... <laughs> that was her breakfast. Uh, but, gold um, flakes. I, gold flakes. I, yeah, I think about, uh, I think about fucking, like, old-timey robberies and stuff like that, or even, like, watching, like, movies like Snatch and stuff like that, where they do... Like, I don't think there's ever been a real-life murder or robbery that has been nearly as cool as the average TV murder or robbery. Like, I know it's probably been a joke that's been said before, but like, town of 200 people, and they have eight seasons of someone getting murdered every day, or every What week show is that? I'm sorry, broke up a bit. Murder, she wrote? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but any of these shows. Like, fucking, like, even take, like, something really mainstream, like fucking Monk or something like that. In Monk, there is a genius, a genius unsolvable murder once a week in San Francisco. Like something that involves, you know, robots and, and body doubles and, and, you know, fucking, you know, exploding ink and shit once a week. I, 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 I can only wish that we had actually that caliber of criminals in the world. It would make it more interesting, at least.
Law and Order needs to steal real life events all over the country just to have it all happen in New York City. It's funny. I was raised in 1990s Washington D.C., but my most I'm going to end up raped and killed in the middle of a bush in Central Park. And I'm like, that's not really the vibe anymore. Uh, <laughs> I don't really think it's like, it's like, like some morning yoga class comes across me. There's um, no, I got to say, there's, I've, I haven't been to, I'm not a big traveler, but mm. I've never felt safer than in New York City. Easily the safest city in the entire country. Oh, Any, yeah, I mean, anyone who thinks that New York City is dangerous or scared to come here or envisions like 70s, 80s New York, that hasn't been the case in many, many, many years. No. And uh, years ago, I lived in uh, kind of a suburb, like a working class suburb of Boston, uh, the one that The Departed was set in, which has uh, since become very hip, but at the time was not. And uh, I think the locals very much resented uh, the presence of college kids in that area. But uh, nonetheless... When I was like, you know, in those areas, I, you know, I, I never thought twice about it when I was there. And then I moved to New York, and then I went back, and I was like walking down this street, and there were all these streetlights, but there was no one on the street. And I was like, oh, you could just so easily murder me right now. I would murder me. Um, <laughs> but like in New York, yeah, I mean, I actually, it's funny. Like while you're in New York, the only group of people that I ever get like a little bit cagey when I see them coming down the street is like a going out group of dudes. Like a, like a group of like 10 white dudes in going out shirts. Like they're always going to harass people. Going out people. shirts? You know, like the button down shirts that they all wear. Oh, like okay, the, okay, okay. Yeah, those guys. Like those fucking like banker and like, you know, fucking corporate guys. Uh, I fucking have a dog too. So when I like am not drinking on a Saturday night and I walk my dog in the East Village at like one in the morning, I'm accosted unmercifully by bros. You got to watch, watch out for the bros. They're, the, they're well, not, they're you not know, the Bernie bros. They're just the bros. No, they're the bro bros, the worst of the bros. Yeah. But it's it's not exactly what Law & Order led you to believe would be the biggest threat to your to your happiness in New York City. Um, but uh, They, they I, actually are the biggest threat. But as you said, like there's no threat really. So like them being the biggest threat is actually just a testament to how safe everything is. Well, it's funny that like – so my brother lives in Chicago. And uh, my family, my mother's family is from the south. And, you know, like they're educated people. They're doctors and shit like that. They're not like, you know, podunk people like, you know, who, who, you know, are into like mysticism or anything like they have access to materials and things like that, that would tell them that this is not true. But I guess where they get their information from their news from, they literally think Chicago is an absolute war zone. And they are terrified for him. And he lives like, in like Evanston or some shit like that. Like, you know, he's not anywhere near what's going on. But they, to them, it's insane. And I remember I go down and visit my aunt and uncle down on the farm sometimes. And I'm always like, if you're ever up in New York, and they laugh and laugh and laugh. They're like, we're never coming to New York City. <laughs> they're like, we will never set foot. Because they literally think that if they set foot in New York City, they will be murdered. Like, the second they get here. And, I mean, I think that's hilarious. Because it's so untrue. But it's interesting that we have a media culture that, like, you know, adults who are educated in a certain part of the country could be, it's understandable that they could have the impression that Chicago is like fucking, you know, uh, a war zone of, of you know, Iraq war. I, I do, I do got to say, though, that if I, if I didn't live in New York and I thought that New York was a dangerous place to visit and people told me, no, no, you should really come. And I finally worked up the courage to go to New York City. With my luck, I probably would have stepped in and gotten murdered right away. That's just how it works. We had my one of my uh, old roommates is from the city, 
and he's got these like uh, cousins that live out in central Pennsylvania and they refuse to come visit because they like they're terrified in New York and they can't believe that, you know, his family raised him there. And so he used to play this game. We'd be like, he'd go away for holidays. We'd try and come up for, with stories for him to tell them about New York that would just scare them, <laughs> like made up things that were, you know, it was like trolling. But you yeah, know, yeah. before before any of that was. And uh, my favorite one was I can't <laughs> one that he told them and they believed it. But it was that, uh, you know, like sometimes people have like whistles to like, you know, like rape whistles and like crime whistles to like, you know, like alert that a crime's happening. Yeah. Uh, in New York, uh, a, a crime whistle is something that a criminal wears to celebrate his crime. <laughs> <laughs> like he's doing crime, he's blowing his whistle celebrating it. <laughs> and they believed it. <laughs> oh my God. That and is... I, I just like, I, if they'll believe that, man, fuck. My favorite thing to do in New York is just to fucking rollerblade past the fucking screams of Midwestern tourists on my way to the latte store. I gotta say, I wanna, I wanna like rob a bank now and like as I'm running out, blow a crime, <laughs> like one of those whistles in celebration. It's gonna be a crime whistle, baby. I should post about that. That was funny. Oh my uh, god, I haven't um, thought about that for years. May, um, what time is it? Maybe um, that's where I was about to say. Maybe that's where we should end it. Yeah, I should <laughs> pop off in a second. I gotta, I gotta run out and do some stuff. <laughs> But, dude, thank uh, you so much for uh, for having me on. No. Nah. Uh, it's a real pleasure anytime, man. Thank you, man. Definitely. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, shout out to um, uh, anybody who gave me the opportunity to write anything. You're all idiots, but thank you anyways. Oh, well, I'm sure they appreciate You're being fools. <laughs> You're fools for like, giving me the opportunity. Actually, one last little anecdote before I go. Yeah, yeah, I, uh at the top of the show, you mentioned that I wrote for Talking Points Memo. And so I've only written one thing for them. And it was a really interesting thing. They have this awards they do every year called the Golden Dukes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like um, kind of a they, they pick these categories and they say, like, you know, most embarrassing like press conference, like most latent lie, you know, from Washington, like that sort of stuff. And then, you know, you have nominees that people submit. And then myself and like I think Aaron Ryan from the Daily Beast, Daily Beast and yeah. Simon Malloy and uh, Kath Kruger and one other person I'm struggling to remember uh, all were the judges and gave our answers. And I was approached by this by uh, by a friend who works at uh, Talking Points and he, he was like, you know, we do this, and you know, they, there was compensation, but uh, it was kind of off brand for me a little bit, you know. I guess a talking points memo, Josh Marshall. Yeah, I was about to say you don't, you don't, you know, you know, you don't share Josh Marshall's politics. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be like a, a regular contributor. I just I don't think the voice matches up with most of the things they they publish. But I appreciate them for for picking me for this. But I said, okay, but here's the thing: whatever I send you, you have to publish. Like, no edits, which is like <laughs> even at Vice, they toned down my shit ridiculously like well, i'm gonna have to do a lot of heavy Dorsey. editing to this let me tell you a lot of heavy editing to this whole bunch yeah they cut out a lot of my dirty words and things um which i understand it's i'm not vice traditional I'm vice politics which i guess has a different standard um and ought to but um so i said you know you have to publish whatever i say and they said okay and you know obviously with the caution of like don't be a dick and so i really just walked right up to that line and <laughs> put my toe on into <laughs> being a dick and it got to the point where I was writing an answer about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I wrote... Bernie Sanders' wife? Yeah, Bernie Sanders' beautiful wife, uh, <laughs> who's going to jail for something about college. Um, but uh, so I said, you know, I was talking about her and being, you know, she looked like she was day drunk all the time. And at the end of it, like the last line, I said, 
uh, also her brother murdered a dog in cold blood and her asshole dad covered it up. Um, and then I wrote in italics after that as a note to the editors, like specifically saying, talking point memo editors, don't you fucking dare take that line out. Did and, they keep in the editor's note? And they kept in the editor's note. I love that. I got to give them credit. <laughs> yeah, I they love it. It was great. That's really good. I didn't see that coming, but it published and I was like, oh, you actually, I like that. Never mind. <laughs> the fun thing, people are going to, before this podcast, people are going to have thought that that was a purposeful, like, little joke by you. But now that we know that that wasn't for our eyes. It was, well, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to happen. I kind of thought for a moment, I was like, well, that'd be funny if that happened. But I in no way expected them to keep it in. And they did. So shout out to them. Shout mm-hmm. out to Sam Thielman and to TPM and uh, the rest of the team. And uh, I guess, like, thank you for letting me do that ridiculously undignified thing. And another episode down. I guess all that's left to say is please remember to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, everyone. Last episode, you had me outranking Brian Kilmeade's show on the charts. Maybe this episode can defeat Steve Ducey's show, if he even has one. All right, that's it. See you all next time on Doomed. Heroes in a half shell, turtle power.